There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cabin Country Media is proud to team up with the Off-Off Broadway Troupe and the Clearwater County Leisure Craft Assemblage to bring you another edition of Pontoon Theater. Tonight's dramatic presentation features the stage work of Buddy Bailey and Mr. Raymond Hackett, both actors lauded and awarded for their fine stage work. This broadcast also features the George Severs family new 35-foot pontoon boat, boasting an Ott Scatwater four-stroke, 150 horsepower on the stern. Tonight we offer Tennessee Williams' Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And the action picks up with Big Daddy beginning to voice his concerns to Sun Brick. Son, I thought I had it. Had what? Had what, Big Daddy? Cancer. Oh. I thought the old man made out of bones had laid his cold and heavy hand on my shoulder. Well, Big Daddy, you kept a tight mouth about it. A pig squeals. A man keeps a tight mouth about it in spite of not having a pig's advantage. What advantage is that? Why, ignorance. Ignorance of mortality is a comfort. A man don't have that comfort. He's the only living thing that conceives of death and knows what it is. The others go without knowing, which is the way any living thing should go, without any knowledge of it. Why, I wonder if... Hey, George, how's it going? What, Big Daddy? I say, I wonder if a whiskey highball would injure the spastic condition. No, sir, it might do it good. Jesus, I can tell you, the sky is open. It's open, boy, it's open. You feel better, Big Daddy? Better hell, I can breathe. All of my life I've been like a doubled up fist, pounding, smashing, driving. I Now I'm going to loosen these doubled up hands and touch things easy with them. Thank you for joining us tonight on Pontoon Theater. We'll be back again next week with the company's pontoon adaptation of Henrik Ibsen's Hedda Gabler. Join us again next week at the same time for Pontoon Theater. This is the Cabin Country Broadcasting Network. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. 
Welcome back once again to Cabin Country. I'm Fudd Klugman. And I'm Bjorn Lloydstead. We're, we're finishing up with May here. I'm about to head up for the Memorial Day extravaganza yes. weekend yes. with the family, our first Indeed. trip of the year. I've already been up twice with my dad, putting in the dock. Right. We got the tracker in, but the, the lift is... Um, well, it's in the water, but it's not in, in the right place. Yeah, you're saying it's not exactly set up where you want it to be. What, no. What, do, do tell. What's going on here? Well, we uh, had to push the dock out, uh, oh, eight feet farther, four sure, feet farther. Sure. I don't know. You built a section, I understand. Yeah, just built a cedar plank section nice. for the front end of the dock. Mm-hmm. That way we can I, can I can get the lift out a little bit further, because last year it was a little too... A little, little shallow. Sh- the river, yeah. The river was down a bit. To get the boat on the runners of the lift, I'd have to kind of get a nice, straight, ramped-up start <laughs> and, and come to a, a skidding stop right it, on the runners, which... Coming in hot. <laughs> which isn't a bad way to go, but it's not, not the textbook right, way. You're supposed right. to just kind of float in there and... Kill the motor. Ra- raise up the, the lift. And, you but, bet. So, anyway, uh, my dad and I, it, it was getting kind of late on our last trip up there and mm-hmm. we were tired and we pushed it out too far and I couldn't level it off right so then we winched it back in and now it's up to waiting for you and I to I think place it up there in a couple we, of weeks we maybe. might we might be up to that challenge Indeed. so yes before we get too far into summer I yes I wanted to give a, a special fan appreciation boy I can't talk tonight <laughs> Bjorn Prie- <laughs> ah. I- uh, Fudd's about to plie. I'm, it's, it's become a, a bar class. We're all about ballet. That's that's right. North Country Ballet Company. Anyway, well, a couple of months ago, well, back in March, yes, got a uh, got a letter and a couple of pouches of uh, power bait here. Wow, Berkeley Power Berkeley bait. Power Bait. They're the pre-rigged swim shads. Fish hold on eighteen times longer. <laughs> wow. Well, and th- those were sent to us by. Our super friend, fan, our super fan, David Barnett, yes, from Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh huh. We've referred to him several times, I think, without and, a doubt, yeah. and read a story of his quite a while ago, I think, about when he was he just purchased a new place, a new new cabin home, trying to trying to convince his family that it's they're going to love it, absolutely, someday, sometime, absolutely. Yeah. But he sent us a, an interesting letter that I, we're going to have Bjorn read for us here when it, they were he and his wife were thinking about. Traveling, uh, I, I think, out of the country, but plans changed, and uh, they ended up up in this neck of the woods. Bjorn. Indeed, time and tide can change at any point. And uh, if you don't mind, Fudd, I'll read David's yeah, letter here. Please do. Right. You know, postmarked here, March 2022. Dear Bjorn and Fudd, I'm composing this letter on the first day of spring. Congratulations, we made it. In anticipation of your upcoming fishing adventures, I've enclosed a selection of my favorite lures. Last summer, I caught two of my personal biggest fish on them, a massive largemouth and a huge, beautiful, and tasty perch. Here in the Northeast, perch are quite the game fish. I wish you tons of fun and luck fishing with them. In February, I celebrated a big birthday and had planned to spend it in Italy with the wife. Having not traveled since the onset of COVID, we were eager to get away and see more of Europe. Unfortunately, we canceled the trip a few weeks prior due to Omicron, and as you can imagine, we were quite disappointed. Having the vacation time already scheduled, we decided to travel domestically. My wife was pushing hard for a warm destination, perhaps Miami or Scottsdale. I spent a lot of time researching these places, but just could not 
bring myself to pull the trigger and book it. I wasted so much time doing my research that time had nearly run out, and it appeared we would not be traveling anywhere. And then, late at night, just a few days before my birthday, it hit me, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. Ice fishing in Minnesota. Yeah. I was so excited and energized I couldn't sleep. I only needed a few days to make all the arrangements. Airline tickets, a car, a 24-hour ice house rental on Lake Minnetonka, and a quaint Airbnb nearby. By some miracle, despite the ridiculously cold forecast, my wife agreed to join me. Not for the fishing, mind you, but for the long weekend. Although nervous, she agreed to drive on the ice and drop me off at noon on Thursday and pick me up at noon on Friday. Did I mention the negative 8 degree temperature forecasts? My time on the ice was amazing. 24 glorious hours of eating, drinking, and fishing. Of course, looking for the full Minnesota experience, I also listened to the reruns of Cabin Country Podcast and another show whose name I don't remember, but I think it was Prairie something or other. Anyway, we enjoyed the rest of the weekend too and even went to the Mall of America on Saturday night. We had a wonderful time, and everyone we met seemed to fit our preconceived notion of Midwesterners. Kind and friendly. Not lost on me is the dichotomy of the two potential itineraries for this birthday trip. I ricocheted between Rome and Minnesota, obviously two extremely different destinations. One is all about absorbing the history, art, and architecture of the ancient world. The other is about trying to entice a crappie to eat a maggot on a hook through eight-inch holes in the ice. Oh, yeah. Perhaps because of the big birthday, I find myself becoming philosophical when reflecting on my Rome-Minnesota decision. It has caused me to realize the duality of my life and my interests. In many ways, I am similar and have all the trappings of most everybody else in my suburban neighborhood, a few miles from New York City. Sophisticated white-collar job, a bunch of academic degrees, and a fancy car. The difference is that my friends and neighbors are into Broadway, golf, and fine restaurants, whereas I spend my free time and am happiest at my simple, single-room cabin fishing for my kayak. Unfortunately, when I speak about my outdoor life and activities with my friends, I'm met with comments and questions that range from amused curiosity to mild derision. Listening to you and your outdoor enthusiast guests is always a real treat for me since I don't get to enjoy these types of conversations in person. I am 100% convinced that I'm your biggest fan for precisely this reason, since I rely on you and your podcast for the conversation and discussions I can't create in the real world. Keep up the great banter and fun stories, and I look forward to every month. David. From Teaneck. Awesome. Outstanding. Thank you, David. Yeah. Thank you. Great, well, great, great tale. Great tale. When I, I sent him an email, good Lord, man, this is amazing. Thanks for sending this. Oh, it's yeah. so cool. And I, it is pretty bizarre I, <laughs> that he ended up in in minnesota right, right. ice fishing in the in the cold yeah, so he, he got to experience that cold alone yeah get out on the ice wow the big lake and lake, lake minnetonka all minnetonka yes incidentally i have never i've been on lake minnetonka but i've never fished it i feel like i was i was on it once for like a tour of yeah. of you know it was like a work gathering and let's look at these amazing homes and just yeah. enjoy the the wonder that is this massive western suburban right. lake, you know, and then uh, maybe on a pair of water skis at one point too. Oh, but certainly never standing on the ice trying to entice yeah. a crappie to chew on a maggot <laughs> on a hook through an eight eight inch hole in the ice. Yeah, I thought to myself, maybe you know, better lake. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, maybe and and I'm hoping again here, Fudd. I will come back to this repeatedly. If we encourage. 
we suggest strongly, we encourage our, our listenership to please write in their fishing tales. Oh, yeah. Maybe someone can say to us, no, 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 Bjorn, Fudd, you, you don't get it, man. Minnetonka in ice fishing season? That's like yeah. the hot spot. That's where you yeah. want to be. That's that's the you know the large mouth and the right the cold water perch. Although I wonder, <laughs> I don't think they're not quite the same. David, I got to be honest, they're not quite as as thrilling a catch here in Minnesota as they right. seem to be in the in the wooded northeast. But uh, I I, I, they're popular out in South Dakota. They are. Know. Yeah, they are. And, they, and grow to be quite large. I seem to remember that if you visit the sportsman, one of the sportsman's shows that they have during the winter months uh, in downtown St. Paul or Minneapolis, right, they, right. They'll, one of the outfits is called Perch Express, where oh, they, wow. you get on a train, get out to South Dakota, and then they outfit you, and you, you go perch fishing. Absolutely. Because it's a, it's a thing, you know. You bet. And as we always remind people, they are related to the walleye. They are relatives. So, Kith and kin. The there you go. Walleye pike. So it's and, exciting stuff. But I, I love getting that letter from David. Yeah. He, he is a frequent contributor, you know, by our listeners' standards. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. all I'm saying, people, is send in your stories. You know, we would send love in to your story. get your, uh, your fabulous tales of uh, angling. Yeah, successes or losses and or just cabin experiences we are right. we are more than excited about the idea of sharing your tale on our show i'm a little bit self-conscious bjorn that uh one of our biggest fans here in the twin cities a friend of yours yes uh you know who's just great at telling us all the all the things he enjoys about the show he right, was, right on our last one with the white sidewalls he really enjoyed that it sounded like we were having fun but it also kind of hinted that well, I mean, it's not really, you know, fishing and <laughs> cabin country, but it was it was good. Yeah. So I thought, oh, gosh. are we going a little yeah, too far astray? Yeah. Have we wandered too far afield, Fudd? Well, not to worry, because uh, later in this episode, we get to hear some, well, quintessential, you know, Gull River cabin shack stories from right. none other than Uncle Joe again. Uncle and, Joe. And uh, his son, my cousin Doug. You bet. And uh, Fudd Sr., my dad. Amen. Who else? Even my, my Aunt Carol chimes yeah, in. Yeah. This was a recording that we had, I had done back in 2017. Oh, wow. So it was just before we launched Cabin Country, actually. So wow. I think it was like an yeah. early oh, the recording. I think it's something I always wanted to do, regardless right, right. as to whether or not it would end up on Cabin Country. Shack fishing history. Shack had uh, tales yeah. from yesteryear. Oh, yeah. And so well before the train interview. Right. And it was a lot of fun. I had three hours of uh, <laughs> stories. Three hours. But I whittled it down to about 45 minutes. Okay. And some of the highlights we get to look forward to Ooh. are things like, well, we get to hear firsthand the uh, story of Doug blowing by in his 250 horsepower motor over on my neighbor, cabin neighbor Rick's fishing line. <laughs> cutting the line. One morning, cutting the line. Um, hey, Dad, I think that guy's upset with you. Right. His daughter, Ellie, was in the boat. Yes. Dad, I think yes. that guy's mad at you. Uh, <clears throat> stories of the early days that uh, Doug remembers of going up to the shack, and for instance, they would go up in the wintertime, mm-hmm. and uh, my Uncle Joe would take his four young boys, right. and he would, he would hook up the duck boat to his snowmobile. Okay. And pull the boys in that and wow. make wide turns and and they'd all go flying out crack of the boat. The kind of thing, yeah, yeah, crack the whip, the boys would go flying. 
And then uh, their good friend Skip, he is another character from the Shack stories. Yeah, I feel Skip, like I, yeah, I've Skip. He I would complain it. about you're you're ruining the rivets of that duck boat. So they, <laughs> so that, uh, so there, yeah, a few Skip stories. Um, Skip was the guy that didn't like getting close to the. Uh, yeah, the dam, the, dam. the Sylvan yeah, Dam, too close to the dam. We got home movies of that where. Apparently, that's you know, my uncle Joe just liked to torture him. Right, right. Any any opportunity, we'll hear some more of that. Um, and of course, one of the the main things I, one of the reasons I wanted to dig out the recording was stories about my my grandfather. My we called him Gramps. Yes, Gramps. Gramps, you made us happy up there. Yes, my mom's dad, and he was all about the gear. He had top-line gear. Joy to us. He was outfitted. Well decked out. Well decked out, even though he really didn't care to actually kill anything. (laughs) Do any real serious hunting or fishing, for that matter, but he just liked being out there. Liked being decked out in his L.L. Bean gear. Looking good, yes. So, good to hear about that. Outstanding. and then lastly, uh, Aunt Carol, I get to ask her about the uh, the murder story Ooh, in the neighborhood. Oh, my. Where Here the, we go uh, again. True crime cabin country. That's right. Wow. The, an old resort that was on Lake Mille Lacs. It was called Wolf's. W-U-L-F-F's. F apostrophe S. <laughs> F's. <laughs> Anyways, apparently this... Uh, he was a ne'er-do-well. Nobody seemed uh-oh, to like him. Uh-oh. And he won this resort in a card game. And, uh, well, he had, uh, booty. had a girlfriend who was a caretaker at this resort, and uh, something something happened one night where Uh-oh. she disappeared. And Uh-oh. So we get to hear a little little bit of... Interesting. Not extensive details, Retelling but, of a true crime tale. Right. Something that was... And was never, like, followed through, and nobody... Middle portion of the did any. Yeah. Wow. So all kinds of fun stuff... Wow. ...coming up ahead. All right. Well, that so, sounds exciting. Um, Radio. I can barely wait. Let's get some uh, mitts of brewing. Yeah, let's uh, get this party started here, and uh, let's let's start it out here. All right. This first story is my cousin Doug's account of the morning he was zooming along in his boat with his daughter Ellie, and flew by my neighbor Rick's dock, going way too fast to notice that Rick was actually standing on it fishing. It's a true story. Yeah. She she said to me, she goes, where is the channel? You always talk about the channel. And I said, it sweeps. And I was explaining to her what a channel is because she heard it but didn't get it. And I said, it cuts right tight up to the banks and it's early in the morning. You know, it's like sun just came up. Beautiful glass morning. So I'm ripping along. I'm showing her exactly where the channel is. She's like, no way, Dad, because I'm going by the... The lily pads off the where that rope swing is. Yeah. And I'm cutting back or says, there's Uncle Bill's place, and it goes right next to their shore. That's where their docks are sideways. And I'm driving on it. He's in a tan outfit on his tan dock. I'm ripping along going about 30, which I usually slow down through there for you. <laughs> and all of a sudden Ellie just goes, Dad, you just drove with someone's line. I'm like, no, I didn't. She goes, Yes, you did. I said, there's no one at the Weiss's. She goes, it's not your Uncle Bill's, it's the guy back. I turn around, and he's literally got his arm, and I drove 15 feet off his dock. And we're <laughs> ripping by the docks. I turn around, and I, I literally said, hey, I apologize. I didn't see. I'm showing my daughter the belly of the channel. She wanted to know what a channel is, and I explained it to her. So I offered him a lure. I said, what were you using? 
He goes, a black spinner bait. And I got out a black spinner bait, new line, and I said, here, this is for you, and he wouldn't take it. You've heard me talk about the shack many times on the show because it's where my dad took my brothers and I until he finally got a lot of his own down the river in 1987. There was so much character to this old single-room shack with the barn red siding and the exposed fiberglass insulation on the walls inside and World War I bunk beds and an old fuel-burning stove. And there was this old commercial-grade white metal paper towel dispenser hanging on the wall over a sink with a hand water pump. And on it were written instructions on shack maintenance. And when I asked Doug what happened to the dispenser, it led to other sentimental items that were tossed out, much to my Uncle Joe's disappointment. I asked Doug about the, remember the old uh, paper towel dispenser with all the instructions on how to take oh, sure. care of the Oh, sure. Skip put that on there. Yeah. Oh, Skip did that? Yeah, that was his way. Oh. But then he'd say, have a great time. Oh. He made me leave you a six-pack of beer, you know, and oh. yeah, but he went, here's the way we do it. da 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 I do remember the last line was like, have a great day. Or yeah, great it was, time. yeah. yeah. Huh. What about I wish I would have kept that paper towel dispenser. <laughs> went in the trash. What happened with that? <laughs> yeah, that was a rain weekend with me and Mike, and uh, we couldn't. You couldn't walk in the outhouse. You, there wasn't a drawer you could have put a matchbook in at the cabin, and we just got sick of it. It's like it was time. We just had bought all new fish and stuff. We went in the store, new rods and reels and. And Mike grabbed an armload of rods, which to this day I'd pay a thousand bucks for, because <laughs> it had your old Zebco 33 with that the steel good. rod. We broke the tip off and we put a new tip on it. We had all these old grandpa's old Shakespeare. It had a cork handle with a metal uh, aluminum or steel handle and a red knob that tightened it down, and the rod was clear. Remember that? Yeah. And I'd pay anything to have all those old rods. And we went out in the outhouse, we threw the old generator away, we just cleaned, it was time, right? But we should have kept a few nostalgia things. <laughs> but you know, you're not thinking of that in yeah. 1991 <laughs> in the place that had never been cleaned. Wow. I mean, never been cleaned, like windows and, <laughs> and drawers, clear out drawers. And he chewed our asses out when we got home, just reduced me to 12 years old. I'm a 30-year-old man. I got a little different memory of that. And the funniest, <laughs> let me finish. And then the funniest thing, he turned to me and he said, if you threw out mine and Skip's coffee cup, you're in serious trouble. And Mike literally lifted up the coffee cups and he goes, Doug, and I said, go, oh, God, don't throw them. Because <laughs> they drink their whiskey in that at night with a Coleman going playing cards. So at least we didn't throw the coffee cups out. On a warm and humid Brainerd night, a nervous child walks with his flashlight to the crapper. Yeah, that old outhouse Doug is talking about was pretty creepy and yet fascinating with all the old stuff in it. But it's gone now, replaced by an amazingly sturdy and fully functioning bathroom and shower. The shack itself has been renovated as well and finally powered with electricity. And then we officially got power back in the cabin last year. Wow. 2000. No, we fired it up this year. We ran the trenches and we tied it in this year. So 2017, we finally had a light back. bulb in that damn cabin. <laughs> no, not a light bulb. All kinds of fancy chargers and shit for cell phones. 
and they got the switch on and off for the pump, for the water pump, yeah. and the refrigerator keeps their beer cold, but they're not a, not a light bulb in that joint. Still got to crank up your battery, your flashlight. So they did a hell of a good job, I'll tell you that. Carol, how many times have you been up to the shack? I think two or three times in 40 years. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. No, I've been up four times. Well, in the past three or four you have, yeah. but up until we stayed down at, at Wright's Harbor Hilton now, and we were rough it down at Dale's house. That's really rough it. Yeah, I would guess. I don't know what it's like inside. But we do drive from there up to the shack, though. Oh, okay. I was there once, Bill, and, uh, and we stopped there overnight, and I never went back. <laughs> But uh, now that it's so nice up there, and, and all my family's up there, if we go up to the right, we always go and see the kids, of course. Yeah, so. So was it wasn't nearly as weedy in the... Oh gosh, no! Back when it started, it was rice and lily pads. Uh, there was there, no. They call it northern milfoil or coontail, and that's what's choking the river out. And it literally choked the rice out. Yeah. Wilma Wright said there's somebody dumping shit in up the river. Now it, it comes out of Gull Lake, and it's yeah. nice clear water. I've been to that dam, and it's yeah. clear water. But Willie says somebody between there and and two ten is dumping shit in. Yeah. Well, when I canoed, I remember Brian and I seeing cows standing in the water. Right, you know, they're right peeing. Yep. They even oh. had a fence that went out into the water so yeah. the cows could come down and walk into drink. it. Oh, yeah. and where is that? Where right I'm past the bridge. As soon as you go past that bridge in the northwest, yeah. northeast corner of the rice paddies, yeah, it's it's you go underneath the bridge and you take a turn and it's right there. Oh, it's only up what? Not even a couple blocks. So a little cow shit got caused all that milk for <laughs> Well, that and the fertilizer, of course, the I don't know if they fertilize. Yeah, for farmland. Yeah, yeah, farmland. I mean, I don't know if they do that to pasture land, but for... But some of these homes have awfully nice-looking lawns. Uh, well, there you yeah. go. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Well, that's just like, you know, we got a pond behind our house. And it's just right? solid green, and it's yeah. just from... Fertilizer. fertilizer from all the yards that are yeah. up the line. And how about the duckweed, too? We never had duckweed. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Thick. That stuff's... Oh. Girls would be like to that. We tried to blow it out. But... The first of three times our boat was loaded oh, with fun. water. Yeah, <laughs> I drove up there and I looked out and, my God, the boat's gone. I just saw the duckweed. I could see oh, the yeah. point sticking out in the motor. Oh, the my end. God. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, just... so much water or a storm? Yeah. Besides rain, when the yeah. wake people go by, like I said, in these what uh, sweet spot those <laughs> two hundred and fifty or who's doing that horse, whatever. Oh yeah, now I have wake boats up there. Yeah, yeah I know. have you seen them? No, those Holy one, fucking. Boaters? That's probably what's sinking you. There's yeah. wakeboard boats that are up there. There's two of them up there, and they throw off a three <clears> foot <throat> wave. Well, that's what it is. We saw one going up. It's we like, passed it. Whoa, big ass motor on. Mm -hmm. Not too far back, uh, uh, Jimmy gave me Skip's old. He had a seven and a half horse, or maybe a five to a seven horse Ebenru. Smaller twin. I think it's a three horse. Maybe no, that's more than a three. I bet it's a five. It's, it's, a, it's a little Ebenru from way back to beat all hell. It's a good backup motor if you're going to be oh, fishing. Yeah, yeah. Now these guys, these 250 yeah. horsepower sons of bitches. <laughs> I I'd love to go and put that in that old blue Lund and go chugging down the river. Thank you.
dad really lucked out in 1987 when he put a bid on our cabin property for $1,101 and got it. Then he spent the next couple of years constructing the cabin in his head while walking on his mail route. I, I wish now I would have had to, back then I had the tools I got now with these battery operated oh, yeah. saws because oh, we didn't yeah. have electricity. I cut every board by hand, yeah. every, every roof joist, oh. everything by hand. Yeah. Did you really? Everything. Oh, yeah. You're like that guy in PBS, Into the Wild, or <laughs> remember that one show? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a power saw, not even, well, there's no electricity. So I cut every, you know, every joist, every thing, whatever. So I remember building the cabin. I only saw him write one figure down with a pencil and a two by four. Everything else was in your head. <laughs> and we just cut what you, or held what you, you told us to hold. And yeah. You figured it out the week before you went up there. There's a. I think that's what he thought about walking a, his mail route. All right. <laughs> yeah. There's right. a couple of crooked things that I won't tell anybody about. But, um, there's even a couple of rough joists. You can't see them now, but I marked them and then I marked them wrong. So I marked. I turned it over and marked on the right side, but then when I cut them, I cut the wrong side. So I got a couple that instead of 16 on center. <laughs> One of them's 18 and one. <laughs> well, you can't see it. What the hell's the difference? You know, a few inches here, a few inches there. But again, I, you know, did it all by hand and, and uh, one of the best things I ever did. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a labor of love. There's not many Still. cabins I look at and smile and every time I drive by yours, I hope you're there. <laughs> and then I just, I don't know something about that cabin, I just dig. Because yeah. it's yours and yeah. I dig you, maybe. You got it well figured out and you thought that thoroughly. Well, like I said, the only difference would have been if I'd have thought had a little more forethought, made it bigger, <clears throat> you know. So were there any like uh, all four Donovan boys and you stories like? Oh yeah, even the winter really? time. Oh, okay. I remember going in, I had one snowmobile, I did, and I borrowed it from John Burkhart. So I parked out in the main road, there was too much snow to drive in. I took the kids in, all four. I couldn't leave them far apart because, you know, the kid would be alone for too long. So I'd go about two blocks and drop somebody, go back and get another one and bring them two blocks. We leapfrog like that into sure. the place. So we get somewhere in the middle of that and I got Joey and he, he gets on and we go to the next stop and I look and he got barefoot. I got just stocking feet. Oh, jeez. And I says, Joey, where's your boots? He's back, Dale. <laughs> Holy shit. I go back and look around her footprints all over there and pee. Somebody peed at two footholes, and there's the boot. <laughs> we'd pull that old duck boat, that old 12-foot duck boat, yeah. that flat bottom, we'd yeah. pull that behind the snowmobile. Oh, okay. Skip oh. that one bitch at you that oh. you wrecked all the rivets. Yeah, yeah. I did. They all leak because they, cause you can spin it. You'll go take a tight turn, it would spin out, you know, like, oh, like sure. a water skier. Uh, it would fly there, and they hit a piece of snow on the ice. They'd skid, hit a snow, and then boom, all four of them go fly them. <laughs> but in the duck boat. <laughs> yeah. You see, you were worried about safety. Yeah. He was not. <laughs> yeah, you could have cut their head off on that damn boat. That's a true story. Can you remember that? Never heard. I was so little. Yeah, you were. Because you guys made me wait. What was the rule? You had to be six years old to go to the cat. Whatever you bullshit you gave me. That one you might not have been on that one. I don't know if I was on the. Because I used that same method. Me and Rich Suchu. We park at the resort and and carry our shit across same way. But Joy was little, so I think Ma was, Ma was determined, and she'd decide when they could go to the shack. 
Oh, I'd be so pissed seeing these guys leave. All packed up, guns <laughs> and dogs. It was and funny that gave you okay. It was your mother then. <laughs> We have so many stories that they just all barf out of us at the fire pit and, yeah. and the more bevies we have. Yeah, those memories But there's back. just so many of them. It's like I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, literally from Joe having on the biggest fish I've ever seen in the river and want you to take the pole. Remember that? Yeah. The sturgeon we saw up there or whatever the hell that was to mornings where we limited out. And running out of hot chocolate. I used to drink all the hot chocolate. They'd get all pissed off at me. <laughs> I just keep pouring it. They're all busy hunting. I was too young. We make I'm gonna drink all the hot chocolate. Nine horse Corsair. Was it the Corsair? Course. It was a five horse Corsair. Blue and gold, yeah, and silver. Blue. Yeah. My dad had one like that. Okay, so we go. A big day was down the crowing, and there was an old haunted house on the south shore of the crowing. You remember? It was just old wooden. It fell down eventually. It's gone now. But that was a haunted house. That was a big trip down there and sure. fish a little bit here and there and yeah. whatever. So when we're gonna go, we take a whole loaf of bread, full loaf of bread, all sliced up, take it apart, make peanut butter and jelly, the whole damn loaf, right. and seal it back up. There's lunch, boys. Okay, that's <laughs> it. No fancy shit. There's yeah, that's good. We wouldn't be two blocks from the cab. They're all having a sandwich. <laughs> it was that little boat. It was quite a trip, you know. Chug, oh, chug, sure. chug, chug. Sure. That's a long way. And if it, if it didn't start, it broke down. That's a long roll home. Long roll. But uh, we always managed somehow. And then they play in that uh, in that damn old haunted house. And I'm sure you were in that. Yeah, I remember being in that. I always thought it was the one across the road on 210, but I think I was too young. No, no, that was. I remember was, it correctly. I think that used to be an old whorehouse a lot of years ago. <laughs> it was. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah really. And what, true story, I talked to Ron about it. And you know where you're going by the Little Pine? That road came across the river. You see the old pylons to this day. Right. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, when the river was down, I took my boat for its maiden voyage, and I don't know how I missed them. And I almost hit because they were this far into the water. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I see. But that was an old road going right to the whorehouse. And uh, it, that's to, Ron knew all about it, knew the name of it, the gal who run it. Somehow he, yeah. he told me the story. Wilma was a little girl up there. She was born in Brainerd oh. with a lot of sisters. And they used to go out there and fish all the time with their family. Oh. So Willie knew that was a, a historical whorehouse that allowed. Wow. Never heard of that one. That's new to me. Huh. So I get, the one that's now that's got the blue tarps on it across 210? From no, they put a tin roof on it now. Oh, just roof. a scab together tin roof with different pieces of tin, and the tarp is gone. I just looked yeah, at it. You cross 210 mill, it's the first road on the right, first building on the right. It's an old son of a bitch, it's all gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do have one really vivid memory of uh, probably the first time I was at the cabin, or those early years when I couldn't hunt, and it was. Mike and Pete, Joe and I think Greg Walters, colder in hell, I'm hanging on to my Jody hand warmer just for, for just the life of me, right? And I was laying on the, I was little enough where I was literally laying on a bag of decoys that I smashed down and I was underneath the nose cone of the herders. We just busted the boat out of ice and it was freezing. And he's all lubed up from the morning before whatever because he's got a stogie his hat and no gloves. And I can see right between the two sets of boys, I'm just sitting there thinking he is the toughest son of a bitch <laughs> in the world. Because I have gloves on with a hand warmer, a hat yeah, pulled all over, I'm freezing, and there he is just 
Stogie glowing, <laughs> heading up our fearless captain with no gloves hanging onto the gunwale. You know, steel yeah. or aluminum, whatever it was. And I just remember thinking, he is the toughest son of a bitch in the world, my dad. Yeah. And yes. you wouldn't put gloves on hunting? I don't know how you did that. I put, I put him out in the truck one day. He came home and cried. <laughs> <laughs> I had that so cold. But anyway, I don't know who else might have been there. We were packed full. People on the floor, from wall to wall, floor, and sleeping bags. And so I put Doug out in the truck, in the front seat of the truck. He had a sleeping bag. Shit, that's a good place to sleep. <laughs> Skip could, oh, God, he, he you can't leave that kid out there like that in the, in the truck in the wintertime. Well, it wasn't winter, it was fall, so it was yeah. cold. But anyway, I said, yeah, he's fine. He's got a sleeping bag. He'll do fine out there. Skip kept going out and checking him to see if he's okay. He's drunk as a skunk. <laughs> I finally get the damn cab warm with my breath and body yeah. heat. Oh. And he come open the and damn open door, the door and kiss me on the forehead. That's the <laughs> spot where Skip was sweet. Yeah. And he he took care of me because he thought he didn't take care of me. And he kept coming out open the damn door. <laughs> freezing cold air come in. Poop dude, how you doing? You good? You fine out here? Gooey, you gooey? You always say gooey. <laughs> yeah, if you shut the damn door, I'll be fine, Skip. We'll be back with more stories of the Gull River in just a few moments. And now it's time for another literary moment. Tonight we have a story from Mike Lean's Down at the Dock. Monsters of the Deep. The dog and I arrived at the cabin late on a summer evening. It can get real dark and spooky in the woods on a moonless summer night. Still, I felt compelled to open a beer, grab a flashlight, and wander down to the dock to slow down from the stress of a three-hour drive and soak up a bit of Northwood's ambiance before bed. I pulled up a lawn chair on the side of the dock and sat back, listening to the sunfish smacking bugs on the lily pads and the loons serenading the rapid passing of summer. The dog was a quiet presence beside me. This peaceful interlude was interrupted by a commotion along the shore of Big Island, 100 yards away across the channel. Some thing or things, some large thing or things, started grunting, splashing, clunking, wheezing and struggling in the shallow weedy water. I strained to listen, trying to pick up a hint of what was happening. The dog had the same reaction. She listened intently, head cocked, alert, silent, not willing to challenge the perpetrator with her usual throaty bark or even a low, warning growl. The dim beam of my flashlight was no help. It could not cut through the dark of that much night. The racket continued on for ten minutes or more while I mulled possibilities. An asthmatic bear caught fishing at the edge of the island, struggling to climb the steep bank. Beavers wrestling a log, having bitten off more than they could chew. A geriatric buck deer clanging antlers off trees as he struggled to climb the slippery shore. All these and more were considered and checked off as not likely. When the splashing, wheezing, grunting, clunking abruptly ended, I had no clue. Leaving many unanswered questions behind, the dog and I climbed the hill to the cabin and locked the doors, having had enough of mystery, intrigue, and Northwood's ambience for one dark night. It took several years to solve that mystery. Recently, on another late summer day, this time in broad daylight, I was hiking a trail that hugged the shore of a small lake. While I was pausing to enjoy a scenic overlook, 
A loud splashing, wheezing, grunting, and clunking commotion started at the water below, an exact replica of what occurred on that dark night. At the bottom of the steep bank, two snapping turtles were squared off. Big snapping turtles, shells that looked like they were a foot and a half wide, the size and type of which you dare not think about when skinny dipping off the dock in the moonlight. The two were locked in what seemed like mortal combat, wrestling shell to shell, hook-jawed snapper mouth to hook-jawed snapper mouth, clawing, kicking, scratching, and all the while wheezing and grunting like a pair of oxygen-challenged miniature Godzillas. They would unlock and back off, a foot apart in the shallow water, eyeing each other suspiciously. Then one would charge, if you can imagine a slow-motion turtle charge, bang into the other, and again, the water-splashing, mud-flying struggle would be on. Territorial squabble? Fight over tasty bit of dead frog or stinky fish? A fight between two behemoth males over some long-gone but attractive demure female? I watched, not betting on the outcome. The end came rather abruptly. They separated, and one appeared to surrender, lying motionless, half-floating, half-grounded near shore. Then the purpose of the fight became clear. The winner moved to the rear of the subdued beast and mounted its gnarly shell. It was time to reevaluate. This had not been a fight to the death between two rival males over territory, food, or a prospective mate. It was the exact opposite, a complex mating ritual, perhaps meant to satisfy the female with the worth and strength of the male. I later researched snapping turtles via the usual reliable internet sources, confirmed the incident, and learned a bit more. It seems that snapping turtles can, and from my experience, do mate anywhere from spring till fall. The females practice something I will term delayed conception, somehow preventing their eggs from being fertilized for many months, thus assuring they can be laid at an opportune time to increase the survival rate of the offspring. The eggs can lay dormant for over the winter and hatch next year. Late fall hatchling baby turtles may even spend the winter in the burrow dug for the eggs. This explains another mystery, why I've found baby snappers hatching in all warm seasons of the year. I'd be doing snappers a disservice if I didn't add more information. Their specific name is Chedlera serpentine. The serpentine part translates to snake-like, given the look of their pointy, not-so-little heads. They can grow to close to 80 pounds and live on for decades, maybe even a century. They usually are not as fierce as their reputation. Most spend lives hunting and scavenging in lakes and ponds and don't go looking for trouble. However, I liked Wikipedia's advice on one issue I hadn't even considered. The common snapping turtle is not an ideal pet. That's good advice to follow since they do have strong, fast jaws and don't like to be messed with when on land laying eggs or traveling between water sources. Given my experience, I'd also stay away from them during mating time. Welcome back. My Uncle Joe told a lot of great cabin stories about his old friend Skip. And here's one that shows how guys can get into the most serious arguments about things that just aren't that serious. Skip and I and, and Dick Powers, a neighbor of Skip's, went up duck hunting. This after I quit drinking. Skip was always nervous about that, you know, that I didn't drink and he, he didn't want to drink in front of me. But he always, eventually he would. We made a lot of trips to Canada, lots of times. He'd get hammered, and I'd, I'd quit drinking. It's 40 years ago now. 
And anyway, uh, this one particular night, then uh, I went to tell him, got a bottle of Jim Beam. I came back and he says, oh, I said, I'm not really thirsty. You lying son of a bitch. You're dying for a big horn of this Jim Beam. You know, just because I don't, don't mean you don't have to quit. You know, I'm not thirsty. So I said, okay, I'll put it on the table. I says, you can drink it. I don't give a shit because in the morning I'm going to throw it in the river. And you know, bet your ass I'll throw it in the river. Jesus Christ, I'm go away and get whiskey. <laughs> Him and Dick Powers got going on this uh, on this quart of Jim Beam. Well, and Dick Powers was, was like Skip in a lot of ways. He liked Jim Beam straight with a glass of water on the side. Okay. Straight. So they get arguing about the benefit of term, turning your thermostat down at night. You know, pretty simple thing. <laughs> you save money. You turn it... Turn it down to 60 degrees and go to bed, you're warm, and get up morning, turn it back to 72, and you'll catch up quick. Well, one said that's a great idea. The other guy says, no, your furnace has to work too hard. You burn more gas getting it back up to 72 than you save to keep it at a 60. <laughs> Pretty quick argument. You know, what the hell? Well, this went on and on, and I go to bed early. I go to bed at 9 o'clock. About midnight, the court's down to almost gone. They're still arguing about that damned thermostat. <laughs> So, okay, now the whole year goes by. Next year, we're up duck hunting again. Same circumstance. I get the, by now he understood. I would throw the son of a bitch in the river or they could drink. Either way, that's the way it's going to be. So I go to bed and they're going to sit up and drink and play a little cribbage. So I said, at least you guys got that goddamn thermostat out of your head. <laughs> Wrong thing to say. <laughs> oh, fresh. I could have tape recorded the year before and played it and it was the same, same. damn. <laughs> Again, till the jug was gone. Oh, oh, the same exact. I gave him shit about till he died. Man, oh man. But I still see duck, a flock of ducks going over. As they're kind of low, I'll almost do that. You, know, you, know, you don't have a shotgun, you know, but it just, yeah, I get excited about seeing ducks flying over within gun range. It just kind of... Whether I'm on the golf course or up on the river. Yeah. I forgot to ask before, what were the main... I, I saw some of the old movies. You had redheads, teal. What, what, I mean, what did you get? A lot of wood ducks and teal early early in the year. Yeah. Okay. And mallards and bluebells. And bluebells. Yeah. Bluebells. Do you remember the time when I took you and Dave down to that... Yeah. Did you call that red lake bound by the culvert? Off yeah, the little road. fox. Or red, red fox. Red lake. fox lake. Yeah. Okay. Took his in there. Yeah. And we'll put you on the island, and then yeah, I don't know if we shot something. And I went out in the boat, and you guys stayed there. And I said, "No, you know, it was a sunny day. We didn't see any ducks. We were getting ready to go." And I was going out to get the decoys. That was it. No, you went. I thought you went and fished. You went and actually wanted to cast. Well, there's it? no ducks. I'm gonna go fish. Over. Well, maybe that was it. All I know is the I was out there, there. Yeah. And then I'm looking over in the north end of it. And here comes this flock of bills, and they come over the trees, and they drop down. Oh. And they're coming right. <laughs> and I says, now get ready. Don't put the safe off till you're ready, you know. <laughs> they, they had all that. I took them to all the gun training and all that. Yeah. And here comes the ducks, and I'm sitting there. Shoot! And I'm seeing the ducks, and they're back there. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, by the time you shot, they were on the other side yeah. of the trees. But I thought, oh, well. I think truth be safe. told, Dave and I were, I mean, we were like cold, and I said, let's put away the gun. Let's, you know, let's start packing up. Oh, here they come. Well, I, so we're trying to you, you can't get back in that lake anymore. Uh, maybe no. with a canoe and hip yeah, boots. Yeah. It's just junk in that yeah, bay there yeah, yeah. where the culvert is. 
culvert, there's not a speck of water going through that culvert. Oh, really? The water was clear as crystal. I'm standing on that looking at it, and there's not one ounce of water going through. Mm -hmm. Really? No, nothing. Mm -hmm. You used to see carp going through there and, and bass. We're talking here about a back bay on the river that has a small culvert under a dirt road that lets water into this really small lake. And yes, as my dad shared, this is where I fired comedically late at a flock of bluebill ducks when I was pretty young. But the culvert itself has always been one of those significant spots on the Gull River with plenty of memories attached to it. First time I saw the culvert, it was with Gramps, and we were going up to go fishing. And it was just he and I in the car. We drove, we drove to this culvert. And uh, there was frogs by it, you know. And you know, you could, I don't know if I could see fish or whatever, but anyway, I caught this frog and I threw it in the water and no sooner hit the water. Yeah. <laughs> it's, holy cow, there's something. So I got the rods out and I got mine and I got his going and I caught another frog and I put mine on and Jesus, I caught one right away. You know, I was like, wow, bass, you know. So he was kind of excited and he didn't have the tackle. Yeah. Much, you know, so I had to kind of do his. And I finally got it going, and I can't remember if he ever got one or not. I think he had a hit, but I don't think he caught one. But I caught two or three bass. <laughs> I thought, wow, paradise. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first trips I ever had up there. But that's the first time I ever saw that culvert. And they were, they used to lay right in there, because, you know, the oh, first, yeah. that's when I it was still, open. I still rip in there, Nick and I. Well, I remember you caught a sunfish on a thin line. Really? Up at the culvert with your dad and you and I, and I don't know who else was there. And we were looking at, I don't know if I was talking about it anyway, and you got your rod out and you, you didn't have any worms and you put a dandelion on your hook and you caught it something. Hmm. I remember that. I still stop and fish there when I'm ripping to other spots. I just turn yeah. in there quick, Nick doesn't say a word. 20 casts, <laughs> we're out of there. Yeah. Still a great spot to pick up nice, nice bass. Yeah. yeah, it used to be. It did, cause it's got, again, like anything else, it used to be nice and clean there, but with all the weeds there, a lot of times. Yeah, it just weeded in solid. Through. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking, you might get out there if you had a canoe or something, you might get out in that lake. Oh, in that red, yeah, yeah. You used to see a lot of fish bones, like, you know, it's carcasses dead. Yeah. They probably were, they might have been suckers, I don't know, you couldn't, couldn't tell. But they'd get trapped back there, I would guess, yeah. in the wintertime. Well, carp like going in there, because I remember yeah. seeing carp like, holy hell. Yeah. You know, trying to get up or waiting to get up. You rear stand there, you wouldn't go through the tunnel. But you, they were there wanting to go. They'd yeah. come up and then they'd look back down and look at you. Boy, the last couple of years, though, the suckers in that river were just going by like crazy or not. Really? Oh, yeah. I How just dogfish. Are they gone or still? No, no, no I, I Maryland, caught one. Maryland caught one this year. Yeah. Just this weekend, we were bouncing creatures and worms off the bottom of the channel because that's how we were catching them. <clears throat> Didn't catch many, but off the dock, it can be phenomenal fishing. Oh, so, yeah. And we could see them, but I was on the dock Saturday morning, saw a carp come by, pretty big one, and I saw the biggest bass of my life. Wow. I mean, how many times have we been looking in water and seeing bass swim by? But I'm telling you, this is a two-foot-long bass, and at first I thought, well, it's a dark carp. And then right next to it, a fish moved, and I could, perfect, that was a bass. And I was just reeling my lure in. And talk about exciting. I mean, yeah. he's going this way, and I could see him with my glasses on. And he stopped, turned, and went on. And I was just like, uh, would that be the coolest thing? But yeah. it was a missile. It's the biggest bass I've ever seen to date. And the biggest bass we've ever seen caught was off our dock by yeah. Joe. Oh, we, that was one of our hotspots. We oh, yeah, used to come down wow. near dock and 
last year was pouring us pouring a slab for that water pump yeah. by, by next to the shed. I say we. I was watching. <laughs> anyway, well, you're still part of it. Go ahead. Mike geared up uh, Ellie, his youngest his mm. youngest daughter, and, and then they hollered up. She got two in a row, two casts, two bass. Mm. Oh, that's that's great, Ellie. Go at it, girl. And a little bit later, three casts, three bass, third one, <laughs> holy shit. When we, and also now we're all walking down, we're like, what's going on? I to watch this. Freaking school of Six casts and six bass. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know what she was using, but she's got the touch. She knows how to fish. Yeah. And uh, and that was unbelievable. She had a big shit-eating grin, but six casts and six bass in a row. Yeah. Right off that dock. Yeah. Holy buckets. Well, that's one of our hot spots. We'd go up there. With the pontoon, and I'd cut her before we get there, and put the electric motor on, and going against current. In the first cast, we'd go alongside the dock toward shore. Sure. And a lot of times we'd get one there, but then after that, because we use the rubber worms, they're weedless and they're easy to fish. Yeah. Land on the dock, plunk. <laughs> we oh, pull yeah. it off and then yeah. drop it in the water. <laughs> we 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 got a lot of bass there. Yeah. That's one of our hot spots. But the last two times this year, we went up there, we didn't get a thing I thought. What did you do, Doug? Chase over. <laughs> <laughs> you cleaned out the weeds yeah, or something here. Yeah. yeah, that probably is it. We had another one there that, you know, when you come around from your place and you come and you go in the bay from, you come across that point and then across the river kind of where the channel goes. And sure. there's that, that swing now those kids put in there. Yeah. Well, that point there, we used to, that that was our base, best hot spot. We always catch bass. That's everybody's. I've seen boats there. Yeah. 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 But the weeds have come in. You know, it's in funny. They're year. fishing everything. I saw guys walleye fishing there because he pulled up a lindy rig. Oh. So, oh, you're going for walleye? Well, like saying, I haven't caught one on the river ever. <laughs> Good luck. Bill has. I caught one this big. And last summer, Melinda, Dave's wife, caught Yeah. She caught a nice, yeah. yeah. Kind of up oh. by Mike's, I think. Yeah, that bay across from Mike. You know, when you go out Mike's, there's that point yeah. of land there. There's a, a diving dock like out there. And you see yeah. they, they fish around there. And, yeah. And that's where she caught the walleye. At least one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've caught them off the dock. Walleyes. Yeah. That's a fact. That's the only place we've ever caught them. Is off our dock. Yeah. But I only, you know, you get one, and it's usually in the spring before the weeds come up. Yeah. Gramps, you made us happy up there. The shack was so much joy to us. My grandfather on my mom's side liked to be called Gramps, and he was a significant part of my warm, technicolored memories of being up at the shack on the Gull River. Probably because of the old Super 8 movie footage my dad took of Gramps and Uncle Joe and Skip up at the shack from around 1968. He certainly looked the part of an outdoor enthusiast with his expensive flannel shirts and top-of-the-line gear, even if he didn't do much actual hunting and fishing. But he loved being there, and the memories and stories about him are a big part of my love for cabin country. We're hunting grouse and how he liked to dress up. He had all oh, the gear. Yeah. Never a hunting knife on his, ja- oh, on his yeah. belt. Yeah. Never cleaned a bird ever in his life, I'm no. sure, but he had the hunting knife. Right. And he was going to stab a bear, maybe. <laughs> he was getting ready to go hunting. The kitchen table would be about 
two feet tall yeah. with all of his gear, yeah. everything anybody yeah. could the ever boots. want to go fishing or hunting. And was it top line stuff? Did he have oh, oh, yeah, very indeed. best. Yeah. I, I just remember seeing pictures of him trout fishing with his buddy, I can't remember his name. Charlie. Charlie. And when he went with his trout fishing, he had a bamboo rod. I mean, back in them days, that was, you know, wow. It still is. Yeah, it was split bamboo. Yeah. So he, yeah, it was. So yeah, how did he lose his knife? Get back to your story. Oh, he read it was gone, and, he, and then he finally says, I know where it is. And where? He said, remember that time I took a walk, walk in the woods by myself there? I said, yeah. He said, drive back there. So I did, and he walked in the woods and came out holding his knife like that. He's putting his pants back on. He drops it in the, in the pile of poop he just made. <laughs> the knife fell in the, in, in the poop. And it, Ted wouldn't touch it. He'd carry it like this. <laughs> so I take the knife and go out in the leaves, wipe it off, hit a little pond and shook it off. <laughs> but he knew exactly where it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the last time he went hunting? Because I, I thought it was with me. Because I wasn't, I, think it was. I stayed back, and I was young. Yeah. Because and he couldn't even go down the point. Because I wanted to go down by the big split trees, and there's a little bit. Remember, in front of the point, there's like two, three feet, mm-hmm. a good stuff to stand on mm-hmm. and shoot. You could kind of hide against the tree. And he was too old to walk down the knob because mm-hmm. that used to drop off kind of quick. Yeah, that was kind of. So I just went. He said, "Go get me a chair." I went and got him one of the maple chairs. And we just sat in the middle of the point, kind of where we trap shot. Yeah. And sure enough. Ducks came by. He didn't even shoot the first time. And the second time I got him to shoot. And then he took a pop and then took another pop on another couple of mallards. He didn't get anything. And he says, I think that's about it. Coffee time. <laughs> and you guys weren't even back yet. And I was dying to go hunt, but I stayed yeah. back with Grant. I'm glad I did because I think that was the last time he ever hunted. Probably. He didn't really care if he got birds or not. No. He liked to be there. <laughs> At this point, Doug's older brother Pete stopped by and joined us in the kitchen and added his own memories of Gramps. Always had a shotgun and a hat on, sitting in a chair outside the outside the cabin. That's my memories of Ted <laughs> up at the cabin. Yeah, he liked to be there. But oh yeah, I, I'm sure he never shot a bird ever. Yeah, he was dressed for the part. He was Absolutely. dressed the part of the hunter. Oh yeah, his shirt, his hunting coat, his pants, his hat. Boots. He was boots, everything. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had binoculars. That was the first time he used binoculars. Was Krampus? <laughs> oh, and if it was a serious hunt, he'd bring his his uh, six shooter, the twenty two. Yeah, he did have one. That's yeah, right. yeah, fancy holster, but he'd carry that. It was a serious hunt. <laughs> twenty two pistol. <laughs> How am I going to do it? <laughs> but that was part of a part of Ted Benz. He yeah, liked yeah. to have be all decked out, and mm-hmm. yeah. kind of a rhinestone cowboy, if you would. <laughs> This Most of all about Ted, he was a bright guy. He knew about everything. He was a really oh, a yeah, bright he was, guy. Yeah. He was smart, yeah. He, he knew what he was doing. I remember when I used I'd take him fishing. Or you know, mm-hmm. we'd we'd troll or I was rowing because we didn't have the motor on the old boat. And we'd always go up towards the bridge and come back and there was a spot, there was a dock there. Every time we passed that dock, we either get a strike or catch a fish. We never kept it. He didn't want it, of course, but he, he caught a couple. But I remember the one time we were coming down, and he were, and he wasn't fishing. I was rolling, and he blew his nose with this Kleenex, and he dropped it in the water, and he watched it sink. And I said, what are you doing? He says, just watch it. And I said, you're polluting the river. 
<laughs> oh, I shouldn't do that. And I says, no, I don't think so. It's the only time I ever talk back to the old guy. <laughs> wow. He's all okay. But he, he did. He blow it and he drop it in the water and he watch it. <laughs> but I had some good times with him. I will say, nothing against you gals. But you know, he had four daughters, a sister-in-law. Two sisters. And, a, and two sisters. His brother-in-law, Chuck Riley, who didn't get along with him. No, Chuck Riley was a truck driver <laughs> who, who turned who into turned insurance, insurance man and made a lot of money. And made a fortune. So and they, and Ted did, they weren't on the same... But, boy, when you got him up to the shack, the yeah. guys. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, he just, you know, I mean, I mean, that's what he loved about going up there. Yeah, he wanted was, you know, big he, part, get he, away you know, from really, women. You know, nothing, nothing against you guys. You're right, I mean, Bill. He, he played the part, he had all the gear... But it was just being there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being there with you and Skip. And when I came on, I was so honored. He didn't swear in costly. Like <laughs> oh, no. He wasn't drinking and, and everything, but... Uh, I just remember the three-day weekend we went up there. One of the few times I remember going up with him. All my brothers and I. Rained the whole time. But it was one of my favorite weekends up there ever. Because all he did was smoke and sing songs. Oh, yeah. And tell stories. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, as a little kid, you're like... He liked his he audience. Was, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> He had the yes. good pipes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had that, yeah. Uh, well, he had that voice, that boy. You yeah, heard. he did. Whenever when he talked, <laughs> he was one of them guys. You yes. know, and he wasn't a big man, but he sounded like it. I mean, you know, he just just had that about The him. little grandsons. Remember all those? Basement. You keep your fingers off oh, the train yeah. set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> the rules were pretty strict. I remember that old buffet, and I, maybe I have this all wrong, but I remember there's a dining room and a room right here that went into a kitchen, and there was a buffet right here. And I opened up a drawer, and he had a Gene Autry cap gun. It was cool. You remember that? I don't remember that. And I exactly. picked up this gun, and I, like, found it, you know? And all of a sudden, he, I don't know if it was a spoon or his hand, but he just slapped me upside the head <laughs> and said, put that back where you found it. And I was looking at him like I wanted a piece of him. <laughs> I was just like, I, that hurt. And I put the gun back. He says, after dinner, they came over. He says, you go downstairs right now. I'm like, what? He already smacked me. I'm going to get in more trouble. And he brought the cap gun down for me with some caps. And then I got to shoot. It was just me and him. It was like a big deal. And I was young because I, I, I remember the drawer was about at my head or nose. But he brought that down, showed me how to work, put caps in it, and I got to shoot it down by his train set. Kind of cool. Spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> that old house that you're talking about? Yeah. My grandpa built that. No way. 36 West Rose? 36 West Rose. Oh, I'll be damned. The story goes, it was before the Depression. He sold it to this couple, and the guy lost his job, and he could. my grandpa could have taken it back. But... They were a young couple and just had a baby, and he just let them have it. Hmm. That's a true story. Hmm. But he wow. built that house. This is Pa Grandpa? Pa Grandpa. Grandpa. My dad's dad. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. You know, as you guys are talking, I'm thinking back to Ted, you know, different things. And I remember Ted sitting in his chair right in front of the sliders. He had the favorite chair there. And he'd have his Terry 10 100s. And he'd take a drag off of that Terry 10 and take it. The deepest breath you oh, could ever God. take, and he'd exhale, and nothing would come out. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, holy crap, where'd all that smoke go? Yeah. And then, of course, the train set 
I, oh yeah. When, oh, the, we went over there. The Terra Ten One Hundreds. Yeah, that's what he saw. I've forgotten all about that. Did you? Yeah, I didn't remember that. I don't forget. I'll be I remember this. I remember how he smoked. Yeah. And he always hit that. <gasps> yeah. He would inhale <laughs> those things like you exhale on your machine to try to get it to blow up to get maximum numbers. Yeah. He was working a different maximum. Yeah. But the train set in the basement obviously was a was a huge draw for us as kids. We'd go oh, over yeah. there and we couldn't say a word about it because if you asked them to see the trains, you wouldn't get to see the trains. But if you just kept quiet. And just kind of hung around and did and behaved yourself, and didn't get hit in the head with a spoon. Then, then you'd get treated into a session, a half-hour train session downstairs. And when he, you know, the funny thing is, he he was such a he came across as such a curmudgeon, but he it you could tell that it made him happy when he got his train set going and was showing them to his grandkids. You got a kick out of that. Yeah, he was very proud of it, and he did get a kick out of it, but. Boy, what he'd make you go through to, to see the trains roll down the tracks. But he had a nice setup. He had a nice setup. There. Oh, man. Uh, one less Ted Vance thing. You had called me over after Grandma passed, and you wanted me to grab Grandpa's shirts because he had, like, six hunting shirts that were, like, brand new. Remember I stopped by, and I'll, I'll never forget walking in the closet and lifting it up, and here this guy's a medium. In, and in my mind, Ted Bass <laughs> was this, you know, authoritative guy. And hey, and, and I just remember lifting up the shirt, laughing, and hanging it back up, thinking, man, how, that does not fit that voice or that man or, you know, my, my memories of him. I think he only weighed about 130 pounds or something like that. Oh, I think he weighed more than that. Did he? But the shirts were the finest, though. They were the best. Oh, they were beautiful pets. How I knew because oh, yeah. I pulled the shirt out. It was a Pendleton, Pendleton shirt. Yeah. It was a beautiful shirt, but looked and a little itchy. Had, oh, of course he never wanted them. <laughs> Not those big Donovan lads. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Extra, like extra large. This last story, I guess we can call an undocumented murder mystery, which took place at a resort on Mille Lacs Lake many decades ago. It was called Wolf Resort, named after my grandmother's father, Paul Wolf. By the way, I got the spelling wrong earlier. It's not W-U-L-F-F, it's W-O-L-F. He owned a restaurant and the resort and seemed to have some respect in the community. The family, however, did not consider him to be a good man. He was a nasty, miserable human being, let's put it that way. And he had a resort on the lake. Mm -hmm. The mother said he won it in a card game. And the girls all had diamond rings, the three sisters, and he won them in card games. Yeah, every time they'd show something on TV about the 20s and all the crooks coming to St. Paul, we thought we spot him on one of the pictures, but we never did. Uh, Wolf's Resort was still up and running uh, 30 years, 40 years ago. Maybe it still is. Up by Onamia. You took a right at Onamia to Wolf's Resort. Well, it wasn't there in the 90s because I piped Onamia the whole okay. time. Well, it wasn't there. No Wolf's Resort. Early 90s. Or if it wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't remember it. I even heard that uh, there was a... Mysterious circumstance with a, a maid or somebody that uh, was killed there, and everybody suspected that it was. Yeah, that he threw her in the lake when they were both drunk. 
Oh. <laughs> it was just that simple. Oh, it was that? Boy. <laughs> he had a big resort in several cabins, and um, she was uh, obviously his girlfriend, and she took care of the cabins and cooked the food in the main lodge. Lodge, thank you. And um, she was very nice to us kids when we were we would go up there. Three in a bed. Outdoor biffy. Out- oh. <laughs> scary. Really scary. And then suddenly she wasn't there anymore. It turns out that my Aunt Carol's sister Theo later met a cousin of this woman who was killed and discovered that they shared similar family stories about what may have happened on Lake Mille Lacs. So Theo and I decided that it was the same woman. He threw her in the lake when they were both drunk. And that's about all anyone knows of this story. But I guess that's all I need to know about it. Stories of nefarious relatives in your family's past is interesting, but it's much more fun to think of your grandfather dropping his expensive hunting knife in a pile of poop. We'll be right back after this. The Gas Station Podcast Network encourages you to join us at the pumps every Thursday at 9 for the weekly episode of Look at That Lawn, the weekly review of the best-looking lawns in the Upper Midwest. Matt CTR Zaxenhauser will chat with this week's winner and how they managed to manicure their lawn. Everything will be reviewed from the cut length to the lawn patterns chosen, from the styles used in plantings to the trimming of shrubs and trees. And don't forget, topiaries are always welcome. In the time it takes you to check your oil, you'll learn great lawn maintenance tips and how the winners cut their lawns to become this week's winner on Look at that Lawn. And remember, CTR stands for Zero Turn Radius. Well, I enjoyed finally getting that old recording uh, onto one of our episodes here, Bjorn. Absolutely. I think I always had it in my mind that, uh, well, I'll just pick out the Gramps stories or something. But there's so many good things in it. Yes, yes. I thought, uh, oh, let's let's share it all. Absolutely. I want to thank my Uncle Joe and Aunt Carol and cousins Doug and Pete and also my dad for sharing their stories. Absolutely. Memories of of Gramps. Also like to thank David Barnett once again for his letter. Pleasant tale he sent us. I still can't get over that, uh, dare I say, that Cabin Country podcast had something to do with his decision to wow. check out Lake, uh, Lake Minnetonka. Minnetonka. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad he had a good time of it. Let's, that's, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, especially in that cold, oh, cold gosh. weather. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If he, so. can, if he can stay positive through that, he can, yes. uh, he can take on anything. So. So thanks again, David, for that, and and uh, thanks to all our listeners. And I, I, well, we apologize for being a little slow on on getting back up on the the mantle here and getting this episode out. We've uh, had a little gap in our our late spring, early summer That's right. activity here. That's but right, some struggles, but we're back in business. Back in business, and we, shingle is hanging back out in front, right. the, in front of the studio here, and we're ready to get going, ready to make a, a couple more pots of Joe and. Yes, we got to head up ourselves soon here, Bjorn. Yes, my gosh, it's it's June. Fuck. It's June. It's June. Got to get up there and make make some more uh, stories to Absolutely. tell. Absolutely. At any rate, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Absolutely.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 